Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hey, friends. Happy Monday evening. Uh, Great to be with you here for Praying for America. I um, uh, hope you had a good weekend. I was up in New York over the weekend. If you follow me on social media, which I hope you do, you saw that I was visiting with my mom there and uh, celebrating my birthday and also also keeping uh, up to date on some important posts. I uh, I'll mention some of the postings that I did if I if you didn't see them, because they have some uh, some important uh, information and perspectives. But tonight I want to share with you a couple of new resources and also uh, answer some more of your questions. And uh, that that'll be uh, 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 something I've been preparing to do here. That'll be something good uh, for this evening. Well, let's begin with scripture, and we want to pray for each other during this time. And uh, also, um, well, actually, the scripture I want to share with you from the beginning of the Bible also overlaps with the, uh, the scripture reflection that I did for today. Every day I put out a, a, a scripture reflection, and uh, this one has a message that I think is particularly appropriate for our efforts to make America strong, to save our country, to make them keep America great very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And so it was. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Let us pray. Lord, you have given us the land. You have given us this nation. You gave your people the promised land. You gave us the land for our ability to praise you, to serve you, to build up this earth according to your commands, to exercise our dignity through work, to serve one another through the goods of this earth, and Lord, ultimately to inherit the land where the new and eternal Jerusalem sees no more sorrow, hears no more crying out or wailing, where indeed all things are made new. Bless America. Let us continue to make all things new as we advocate, Lord God, for the principles of your kingdom and for the principles our founders embraced that make this nation great. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Some key things about this creation passage. First of all, God is the one that created everything. You know, there have been ideas down through the centuries that, well, God created some things that exist and other things were created by evil spirits. Not the case. 
all things are good. God pronounced all his creation good. Evil is the absence of good, but what he makes is good, both body and soul, both material things and spiritual things. All that he makes is good, and only he can make things out of nothing. We can take things that already exist and shape them into other things that exist, but only God can bring something into existence or take it out of existence. This is his prerogative. And this passage in Genesis shows us not only that God creates, but that he divides, he separates. Did you notice the repetition of the word separate in those first few verses of the Bible? Let's go back to this. He saw that the light was good. He made light. And then it says he separated it from the darkness. Then he made the waters and he separated them. The waters above the heavens, the waters below. He separated them. The creator is also the divider. As soon as God creates, he brings things into existence that are outside of himself. Once you do that, you make those things subject to the power of evil. And they are limited. Everything within God is perfect and is infinite. Once something is outside of God, like as soon as he starts creating things, now you've got things that are limited rather than unlimited, and imperfect rather than perfect. So you have to separate light from darkness. You have to separate truth from falsehood. You have to separate good from evil. God immediately began separating as soon as he began creating. And throughout salvation history, there has been the action of God in separating these things. There have been the words of his prophets calling for that separation. There has been the word and witness of Jesus Christ separating good from evil, light from darkness, truth from falsehood, life from death. And Scripture indicates there will be an eternal separation. Let's look at this just a little more closely. You have the separation of light and darkness, good and evil. Didn't the prophets bear witness to that as salvation history moved on? You think of Elijah the prophet with the prophets of Baal. Remember he said to the people, this is in the first book of Kings, in chapter 18. He said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to straddle the fence? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. you got to separate. If you keep good and evil together, if you keep light and darkness together, if you keep truth and falsehood together, nothing is clear. And people can't follow the truth if it's all mixed in with, with falsehood. 
The prophets called for separation. They called for choosing that God himself in Deuteronomy. I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Can't choose both at the same time. There's got to be a separation. There's a fork in the road. That's the judgment. That's the crisis. Gospel of John talks about that, doesn't it? The light came into the world. Some preferred darkness. Here is the judgment, the gospel says. Fork in the road. You've got to separate. You've got to go one way or the other way. And if people go down the other way from where you're going down, there's going to be a separation. Jesus Christ said, I have come not for peace, but for division. He comes, of course, to build the unity of the people of God, but it's a unity around truth. Therefore, you have to divide from error. It's a unity around life. Therefore, you have to divide from death. It's a unity around goodness. So therefore, you have to divide from evil. This is just common sense. And so he has said, yeah, yes, he has come for division. It's the division that's the condition for the unity. You divide truth from falsehood, and then you unite around the truth. You divide good from evil, then you unite around the good. Elijah divided the people. Those of you that want to follow Baal, go over there. Those that want to follow the Lord, come with me. There's got to be a division before there's unity. Now, let's take that passage from Genesis. In the beginning, God created. And let's ask, what is the beginning? And you know that Paul answers this question in his first chapter of his letter to the Colossians? Listen to this. He says, He, speaking of Christ, He is the beginning. When the scripture begins by saying, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, what it means is, in Jesus Christ, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen to Paul's full passage here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all else that is. In Him, all things continue in being. And He is head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. That first chapter of Colossians is a commentary on the first words of the Bible. Now, if Christ Jesus is the one through whom all things were created, and remember, when God created, what does Genesis say? He spoke a word. Who is his word? Jesus Christ. Reminds us of the first chapter of John's gospel. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And then it says all things came to be through him. If Jesus Christ is the one creating, therefore, and if in Genesis 1 the act of creating is substantially connected to the act of separating, then from the beginning, Jesus Christ also is the divider. I have come not for peace, but for division. When he says that, 
He is fulfilling what was said at the very beginning of Revelation, at the very beginning of Scripture, that I have come to separate the light from the darkness. What did he say? I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. He is separating, just like he did from the beginning of time. He's separating the light from the darkness. What does Paul say? You have become light in the Lord. You have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And then what does he also say? Paul speaks about the necessary division, the necessary separation. Reflecting the teachings of Jesus, he says you cannot partake at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. He's echoing Elijah. How can you keep holding two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. You can't take part in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. There's got to be a separation. I have set before you life and death. Choose life. And Jesus says this separation will be eternal when the Son of Man comes. And he sits upon his royal throne and all the nations are gathered before him. Matthew 25, we read, he will separate them. As a shepherd separates sheep from goats, he will separate them and there will be the judgment. I, you know, God wants preachers who can separate. And you know what? He wants patriots who can separate. What did our founding fathers do? They saw and they experienced tyranny. Read the Declaration of Independence. It is a litany of tyranny. Here's why. Because they had to say, like they said in those opening words of the Declaration of Independence, they felt they had the responsibility to declare openly the reasons that impel what? The separation. They were experiencing tyranny. That, that Declaration of Independence is not easy to read. I mean, the words that we know, you know, Biden, oh, you know the thing, right? The words that we like to hear and that we repeat most often are beautiful words about the unalienable rights, about the self-evident truths, about being bestowed by the Creator. But then you get into the nitty-gritty of the Declaration of Independence. It's not pleasant reading because it's a litany of all the abuses that the king imposed upon the people. But they said it is necessary for us to declare the reasons for the separation. Separation! We must divide freedom from tyranny. And so they declared a separation. These, were, these men knew the Word of God. There's no source that so more shaped what they did for this country and in founding it and in writing those founding documents. No source of knowledge or wisdom or guidance or philosophy shaped them more than the Word of God. And the Word of God talks about separation from the beginning to the end. And so they separated themselves from the tyrant King George. They separated themselves from those things that crushed freedom and offended human dignity. They separated themselves. And, and they went on, brothers and sisters, to form a nation where we could govern ourselves in freedom and where we could continue 
under the light of God's law, to know the difference between what would help us and what would hurt us, what would be for the common good but what, or what would be for the destruction of our freedoms and of our future. And so we need preachers, first of all, who can rightly divide truth from falsehood, rightly divide in giving public declaration of what actions are moral and which ones are immoral. We need preachers to do it from the pulpit, and we need patriots to do it from the halls of government. Otherwise, how can we govern ourselves if we can't rightly divide? We need the preacher and we need the patriot to be able to rightly divide, and that's why we don't want obfuscation, confusion, we don't want people speaking out of both sides of their mouths, like what Elijah was saying to the people. How long will you waddle along with two opinions? And what the preacher and the patriot need to be able to do is to speak clearly so that after they speak, you know what they said. And you know this is the path we have to go down. This is the path we don't go down. President Trump is great at doing this. We don't need politicians and preachers talking and talking and talking, and then after you listen to them, you still don't know which way to go. You still don't know which way to go. How many times have you heard a sermon? Afterwards, you say, well, I guess I can just decide to do whatever I want to do. If after the sermon, you what you think is you can just keep deciding whatever you want to do, not much has been said to you, because you could have come to that conclusion all on your own. And just go ahead and decide it. We need some guidance. And this is what we get when we have people who follow the Word of God. You know, recently I was sharing with you, I want to go back to something I shared the other day, about this. these messages now that are coming from certain church leaders, God forgive them, they're really idiots, who say, oh, we can't get the people angry. I guess Jesus didn't get that memo. He got people so angry they crucified him. What are we, are we living in some kind of fantasy world where we, we forgot the gospel that we say we're preaching? He got crucified. Oh, but we're not supposed to get people angry. Give me a break, would you please? Stop insulting our intelligence. I got a, two memos here from Catholic bishops who really need to go back to, they need, don't, don't just need to go back to seminary, they need to go back to school in the first place. Learn how to read, learn how to listen, learn how to think. He's got this, this guy here, Brennan, from when he was the, the Bishop in, of Columbus. I hope he's listening to this broadcast because, honest to God, you know, this is, this is, he speaks about this priest, Father Clee, who I, whom I also uh, I know. And he listens to what he says here. He makes this public statement. Father Clee has shown a pattern of making communications to a broad audience on a variety of contemporary issues which are, frankly, divisive. <laughs> While these communications seemingly present Catholic moral teaching, they are often offensive and disrespectful to the dignity of human persons. Father Klee has been repeatedly warned about making these divisive communications and ordered to cease doing so. In other words, Bishop Brennan, Father Klee can no longer preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that what you're trying to say? I don't, 
I've had it up to here with this nonsense. Oh, we can't say anything that's divisive. You want to name for me any of the issues of the day that aren't divisive? Maybe, oh, let's think about it. Maybe, let's see, what's not a divisive issue? Maybe, not, oh, it's good to drink orange juice. I love orange juice. I start the day with orange juice. Maybe that's not as divisive. But just about everything else, you want to comment meaningfully? It's like we were just saying. What this does, stupid memos like this, this is what creates the atmosphere in the church, brothers and sisters, and in the culture of leaders, quote unquote, standing up and talking and talking and talking. And after they're finished talking, you don't know the difference between left and right, light and darkness, good and evil. You don't know what in the world to do because they haven't told you anything. Because God forbid that we're going to be divisive. Here's another one. Here's another masterpiece here. Bishop William Mulvey. Hey, good job here. Bishop, really good job. When we speak or write, we do so as bridge builders and being reconciled to one another. We are, as pastors, to assist in forming people's conscience, not deciding for them. This is a memo, okay, to his priests. Listen to this next line. This is a really good, you really, you got to get some kind of award here, uh, Bishop, some kind of award. I am notifying you. Listen to this now, coming from on high, right? Mount Sinai, you know, let the thunder start, start roaring here. The trumpets start blowing. I am notifying you to refrain from writing and or speaking from the pulpit about any matter that may contribute or cause disunity and anger among our brothers and sisters. What? Refrain from writing or speaking from the pulpit about any matter that may cause anger? You know what I think about this? This is absolute nonsense. If we don't stand up and start calling out this fake, cowardly, guidance that's being given to the pastors that are supposed to be guiding you and me on the way of the gospel, on the way of the God who from the beginning divided the light from the darkness, who through the prophet Elijah said, you got to decide whom you're going to serve today. You can't hold two opinions. You don't think he got the prophets of Baal angry that day? Or Jesus Christ, I have not come for peace, but for division. How in the world can the men of God called to be pastors, and some women too, guide us in any way, shape, or form when Guidance like that, that doesn't deserve the respect of the paper that is written on, is what's being fed to these to these pastors. I am so disgusted by this, and I hope that you are too. Well, I want to show you <laughs> going to a better a better piece of guidance, a, a new book that has come out by a friend of mine, and I and I'm sure of of many of you, somebody that you know, Tim Gagline. 
Uh, used to work in the White House under uh, George W. Bush. He was uh, in the Office of Public Liaison. And as a leader in the pro-life movement, I interacted with him frequently during those days where our movement would have things that we wanted to convey to the White House and vice versa when the president wanted to speak uh, uh, certain things to the uh, pro-life movement. Tim was the one who was the, the bridge, okay, the messenger back and forth. Well, Tim has authored several books. He comes out with a new book now called Toward a More Perfect Union, something that, of course, our audience here would be very interested in. Toward a More Perfect Union, the subtitle is The Moral and Cultural Case for Teaching the Great American Story. We all know how our children have been indoctrinated with um, false messages about the history of our nation being taught by things like the, the 1619 Project that America is basically formed in, in evil, okay, it rooted in racism and just a bad country. And I mean, this is, that's not only false, it's offensive. Tim starts in the introduction, let me read this quote from Ronald Reagan. If we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of the American memory that could result ultimately in an erosion of the American spirit. You know, Tim makes an interesting point here. Um, I was looking especially at the chapter called The Perils of Constitutional Ignorance. He says, if we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, well, then we're in big danger if the people forget what the Constitution is, what the thinking of our founders is, what the principles are that they embraced and, and put into the ground as the pillars of America. But there is a lot of ignorance. We'll go into this in more detail. In fact, one of these days, we'll, we'll get Tim on the program himself. Um, you know, he, he starts in this, uh, this chapter here about constitutional ignorance, pointing out that a survey of a thousand liberal arts colleges found only 18% of these colleges require a course in U.S. history or government. How can that be? 18%? That's it? Require any kind of course in government or American history? If we don't know our history, we don't know who we are, how can we govern ourselves? How can we go in the direction that our country is meant to go? And, and, and the same report, by the way, found <laughs> nearly 10% of college students thought that Judge Judy was on the Supreme Court. <laughs> And there's a bunch of other facts. Oh, we'll go into this in detail with Tim himself. I just wanted to bring your attention to this book. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Uh, Timothy Gagline, Toward a More Perfect Union. It just came out. Be on the cutting edge, friends, of all these good new resources that are being published. Let's pray. Lord, we, 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 we come before you today just begging you for courageous shepherds, courageous religious leaders, who will know how to divide, how to divide truth from falsehood and, and light from darkness and good from evil. Lord, we need people rooted in your word, ready to challenge the people. How long are you going to hold two opinions? Decide today whom you will serve. Lord, we ask for the same kind of strength and clarity from our political leaders. Lord God, we need people who... Who, who just know how to speak what is right and fight for what is right, stand up against our enemies, and, and lead America 
in the path of greatness. We ask you, Lord, to look favorably, too, upon all the prayer needs of our audience as it is being expressed uh, tonight in the comments, as it is being held in the privacy of our hearts. Uh, we ask, Lord, please to give us that grace of answering each and every one of these prayers. And we pray now, Father, to you in the words that the Savior of the world taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, friends. God bless you. Great to be with you. Follow me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. And thank you, Right Side Broadcasting. Follow them at RSB Network. Thank you, Getter, for broadcasting our shows. Make sure, everybody, that you have your Getter account there also. I am at FR Frank Pavone. And let's together praise the Lord for everything that he has given to us and that we are able to give to others. Please spread the word about this program, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.